the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. One of the biggest news stories in Botswana is on the topic of scams and how citizens have lost millions to them. One of the most common scams is getting people to hand over their crypto with promises of earning 10x on their money. Scamsters fish for citizens' IDs by getting them to register on fake websites, and then they log personal details on Facebook Messenger as part of a registration process. The scammers then use these details to create fake profiles to convince victims that they are locals, which, of course, they are not. Yes, crypto in Botswana is booming, but not always for the right reasons. Joining us to discuss this is Kaletso Topejo, who is country manager for Yellow Card Financial, the only company in Botswana to approach that country's regulator for a license. So, Kaletso, welcome and thanks for joining us. These scams in, in Botswana are something of a national concern, and it seems the government is concerned about this. Tell us about them and how they operate, and when did they actually start becoming an issue? These scams, uh, they predate uh, even Yellow Card. It seems ever since the whole crypto thing started, there were a niche group of people who are just looking to get into crypto as early as possible, like the early adopters. So now those guys, upon realizing the potential of this, they tried to spread, you know, the word that uh, crypto is the next big thing. So now to an African person, when you say this is the next big thing, they always think, okay, how can I get rich from this? They wouldn't want to like learn firstly, like how does this work and how possibly could it benefit me? Like, is there a utility part of it or is there like an investment part of it? So they don't really want to learn. And that's where these scammers just come in. So now people telling you that crypto is the next big thing. And we are talking as far as like 2013. And that's like a long time ago. So we are talking years ago. So that's how these scammers, you know, got to these guys as, you know, as far back as possible. Because Seems that uh, this is a long time. That's nearly 10 years that these scammers have been operating. Um, and still people are convinced to hand over their, their cryptos. So the way that they do it, maybe just describe that. Is it by, by having fake websites where they get you to reveal your personal information and they get you to ship your Bitcoin over to an address that they control? How does it work? Okay, so we have various methods from what I've seen. The fake websites normally, these are the so-called Forex websites or crypto trading websites where people would just, even they just take templates and then they cover them with like, you know, the fancy designs of, you know, you'll trade Forex, get 10 times profits or have an investment manager. And then they'll just plug in the trading view feed, which, which just updates the prices, you know, in real time. So people are then convinced that this is like a legit website. So me engaging an investment manager will, you know, guarantee me certain amounts of money if I just hand over a smaller amount. But what normally happens is that these guys would then, you know, be asked to fund in crypto. They wouldn't be asked. Uh, fiat is not common because the banks have, you know, tight AML controls. So normally they're asked to fund using crypto. So what they would do is that they would buy the crypto. And then when we screen them and ask them what they are doing uh, with the funds, they would just tell us we are trading and we know what we are doing. So which then makes it a bit difficult for us and even the banks, not like the banks are free from this whole thing. 
you know, when your client tells you that they know what they're doing and yeah, they, they know how you can, you know, withhold that funds. So once that money lands, they would be told, uh, wait for seven working days. It's only seven or 14 working days. That's what I've observed. And then after that, once it's time to withdraw the said profits, um, they'll be told pay banking charges or pay withdrawal fees before we can give you the withdrawal. And that's where it normally just it you know, collapses. And yeah. yeah, people just realize, yeah, I've been scammed. And then they come to us in the aftermath of all of this happening. So it sounds like the, the scammers are actually schooling their victims, you know, and how to talk to you. They're telling, you, they're telling the victims that you, you're going to get asked these questions. You just tell them that you're going to be doing trading. And, um, and they're going to say, you know, maybe question you, do you really know what you're doing? You say, yes, I do know what I'm doing. A- anyway, they, they, they just ride over you and they convince you to send your cryptos over. Th- this is the typical crypto scam, by the way. It's uh, uh, yeah. when, when, when you're supposed to draw your, your fantastic returns, you, you're asked to pay more money. And, and sometimes yeah. it's a huge amount of money. But, you know, when you're going to make 10x, so let's say you've invested 10,000 rand and you're going to make 10x on that, that would be 100,000 rand. You would be uh, yeah. asked to pay something like twenty or twenty-five thousand in addition to what you've already paid. So they they um, and they find new costs. Oh, you know, you've got taxes and things like that. Is that pretty much the format that's going on in Botswana? Yes, that's what um, they do. But yellow card. This is the interesting part about uh, yellow card. We have a dedicated compliance team, a group of talented people. So they help us with, you know, such things such as screening people, like, you know, the right questions to ask. And that's how you'd be able to tell that, okay, no, this person is definitely, you know, having a third party um, instructing them to say this or that. So we do, we've since moved on from that and we are able to catch a lot of these guys and prevent, you know, all these scams from happening. Just thanks to our compliance team for being there. All right, give us an overview of the crypto market in Botswana. What are people buying uh, and, and who is buying? What, what is the typical crypto owner, just the demographic with the profile? You know, you'll be surprised if I told you uh, majority of the people who own crypto are actually elderly people and like older people. Majority of the youth don't really own much crypto. They are more into like forex. They're not into, you know, buying and holding like, you know, than what the typical crypto guy does. Right. So a lot of the time uh, with us, they buy USDT and BTC from us because that's the current coins that we offer and Ethereum on uh, on demand. But so far, no one has actually you know, looked to, to buy Ethereum. Hopefully they will, looking at the current market status. So hopefully they will. But normally they buy BTC and USDT and then send them over to like other platforms such as your Binance. And then swap those or, you know, for other coins like your, your Shiba, your GMT and all of those. Now, they do this because we, we have the best rates globally. I, I can confidently say that we have the best rates globally. So it's cheaper to get crypto that you then swap with other coins from us than any other exchange, as far as I'm concerned. That's what people normally do. It's mainly Bitcoin and not many people buying Ethereum at all. In, in other markets, there are people buying Ethereum, but in Botswana, it's mainly Bitcoin and Tether. 
And and then they send it off to another exchange, Binance, which is the biggest exchange in the world, where they can then use that um, to purchase other coins. I'm sure you get a lot of calls from people asking whether a particular scheme is a scam or not. How do you advise them so that they don't get scammed? Okay, what, what we normally tell them is that um, the first thing they should look at is the registration. Like this whole scheme, is it registered with any um, registrar of companies? Do they have certificates? Do they have like a board of trustees, if I may say, or advisors? And do they have any office or any infrastructure around so that when you have a problem, you can actually call someone or visit someone or see someone? And that's like, you know, that particular talking point is also what, what differentiates Yellow Card from the rest of the exchanges. Because if right now I have a problem with something like a Binance, I wouldn't be able to pick up the phone and call a Binance or walk to the Binance office. But with us, we are inland in most of our markets. So people prefer us because they could literally walk into our offices or call some of our lines uh, just so they could get help and talk to someone. So normally we advise clients to do that due diligence, check for registrations and check if the people are actually local. Um, so that if there are any issues, maybe involving law enforcement, then they could actually go and see those people and have the issues resolved. Also with the regulators, if the regulator doesn't know that there's this whole scheme running, then it's already a red flag. So yeah, we, we normally advise people to do all that search and get as much info as possible because we've seen a lot of people just getting swindled that easily overnight. Okay. Given the security concerns around crypto, uh, how does Yellow Card handle this? And maybe also tell us a little bit about Yellow Card, because to the best of my knowledge, you're the only company in Botswana to apply to the regulator for a license, right? Yes, we are. So Yellow Card, we, we registered in 2019 in Botswana, but we were early in uh, in Nigeria. We, the whole Operation started in Nigeria, but don't confuse it. Yellow Card is an American company. It just started operations in Nigeria before spreading to, you know, the other countries. So Yellow Card is a, it's a centralized exchange. So it literally takes the other side to all um, your purchases or yourself. So you're going to buy your crypto from us. And if you want to sell yourself back to us, given that your crypto is still within um, our platform, so we we did uh at first you know engage the local regulators before the whole virtual assets act was you know enacted so we did approach guys like the financial intelligence guys like bank of botswana just so we could see and um, understand how crypto is being you know viewed um, in the country so that we could either decide to engage the market or not but um, our engagements were successful, and that's how we eventually got into the markets before the regulations were, you know, set up. And once the regulations came about, we did start um, engagements with the non-bank financial regulatory um, authority, which is short, which is a uh, short for NBFIRA. And we did apply for. A license before the whole um, cutoff date, which was in uh, May the 25th. So as far as I'm concerned, we are the only crypto exchange to have applied um, for the license. And we don't only do that in Botswana. We also do that in other markets. It's standard practice. That's how Yellow Card works in 
no matter which market you are, we still do things the same way. Yeah, I wanted to ask how many countries are you in? Um, 16, but soon we should be in uh, 18 or 20. We are expanding fast, like really fast. There's 16 or most of those in Africa? Yeah, only in Africa. Only in Africa, okay. Do you take customers through the KYC, the Know Your Customer and Anti-Money Laundering process? And, and what information do you require from customers? From customers, we normally require identity um, documents, proof of residence, your proof of income. And and then differs going forward when you go to like uh, the higher tier guys, like your OTC and all those guys, because there you'd find that it's mostly um, entities and some, you know, top traders. And we still require similar documents, but then we also require like, like a proof of funds to show that these funds uh, came from, you know, a, le- a legitimate source. Um, of income because we don't want to be rubbing regulators the wrong way, especially with how you know sensitive money laundering issues are everywhere, not only uh, in Botswana. So we normally require as much um, documentation as possible to prove that wh- whatever funds we are dealing with are legit and they don't have any connection to illegal dealings or they are from, you know, politically um, exposed people because we, we don't deal with those um, in yellow card. With the drop-off in the crypto prices that we've seen in the last month, are your customers getting nervous? No, they are. A lot of them are just patient, are holding. Some are even just uh, increasing their positions. I mean, it's, it's typical of what the whole crypto market is, you know, going through. A lot of people are just sizing up their positions because they are expecting a bit of a rebound um, in all the coins. And as we know, uh, the crypto market is normally guided by the BTC price. So if BTC just starts rebounding, we may see the whole market just, um, you know, rebounding. And yeah, everyone will be happy. People would have said they, they bought the dip. And are the banks in Botswana worried about the rise of cryptos? And are they being a little bit careful in the way that they deal with or facilitate transactions involving cryptos, as they are in places like Nigeria and even South Africa? Look, the banks here are cautious about uh, crypto. They don't want to associate with crypto at the moment because of the whole regulation issue. So I believe now the the whole you know caution is being eased by the you know publishing of the regulations. So I believe that um, the banks in future, hopefully in the near future, they'll be looking to work with um, licensed uh, crypto exchanges. And hopefully the first one it will, will be yellow card um, that they would um, approach because we should be getting our license um, soon. So you do and, actually have yeah. a virtual asset act at the moment where you're quite ahead of the curve because uh, there's very few countries in Africa if any, that uh, have this uh, an act like that in place. You have one in place? Yeah, we do. It's headed by the non-bank financial uh, regulatory authority and the financial intelligence agency. So yeah, we do have an act published. It's live. So people looking into coming to the market, they would have to uh, apply for that license before they can do anything. So yeah, we do have it and we've applied for it. Hopefully, Yellow Card would be the first to actually get a license in Botswana in terms of this new Virtual Asset Act. Is that what it's called? Yes, 
And that, of course, would give people some comfort in knowing that there's some regulatory oversight, that they're dealing with a company of some repute. Yes, definitely, definitely. We hope the license would open up um, a lot of things and also just give the public confidence because a lot of people can't appreciate the utility part of crypto due to the fact that it's been tainted by the whole speculatory part and also just it, you know, being made over by scams. But once people get to deal with uh, reputable companies such as Yellow Card with the license, then they could utilize things like uh, USDT. They could use it to send uh, USD across because, as we know, USDT is pegged to the dollar. It might not be a perfect peg, but it is still pegged, and it will save you um, a lot um, compared to if you went to get your USD from the bank and then having it, you know, sent over to like um, another account or so. Because with those, it takes a bit of time and clearing. But with crypto, it's instant. So if you have an emergency and you are in Nigeria and I'm in, and I'm here and you need funds, I could just send you USDT or even send you Bitcoin, and you then exchange it with uh, the Yellow Card Exchange in Nigeria and get your funds and do what you wanted to do in a very short time. So I believe once people get that confidence from, you know, the whole regulatory part, then they could actually unleash the full power of crypto because as it stands, it's a, it's a small portion of the, the population that's actually, you know, utilizing that. So hopefully in future, um, you know, people would start appreciating crypto more because that's our mandate is yellow card. We are just looking to use the power of crypto to help the African people get access to you know, certain services, certain financial services, as I may say. If you wanted to remit US dollars, say from Botswana to Nigeria, you could then buy a stable coin, which is pegged to the dollar, as you said, USDT. Yeah. Or Tether. Yeah. And you could then send that and somebody could reclaim it in Nigeria. And then yeah. they can off-ramp it there. Of course, the cost of shipping uh, a stablecoin is, is much lower than doing it through the banking system, as you already mentioned. Can you give us some idea of the costs? Well, uh, with Yellow Card, now, here's the, here's the fun thing. And one of the very short sentences that actually convinced me to join the company, with Yellow Card, if you are sending from Yellow Card to Yellow Card, it's free. No charges. No charge. Okay. Nope. But, but then I guess if you want to off-ramp in Nigeria, which I don't even know if you can do because the banks have been prohibited um, from facilitating crypto transactions in that yeah. country. But we'll, you could we'll, do it in another we'll, country we'll, where you wouldn't have that problem. Yeah, we would probably give you the local fiat equivalent of the USDs that were uh, sent via you know, USDT. So if, say, I want to send... Um, 500 USDT, which could be said it's $500, we would then give you the equivalent of that in that particular country's local um, currency, which would then arrive faster and cheaper, virtually with um, no costs, really. Wow. So you, you're going to give the person on the other side $500 fiat at no cost? Not not in dollars, but like the local currency. Say if someone wants to send me money, uh, He's in Nigeria and he buys 500 USDT, which is one is to one with the dollar, right? They want to send it to me here in Botswana and they send 500 USDT. Then the exchange is going to look at the prevailing global rate for USD and also, you know, the, the bid ask spread. 
and then convert that to coolers. So I would get it in coolers. Or I could choose to keep it in USDT in my wallet if I want to. Or I could sell the USDT for cooler and then get coolers and then do whatever I wanted to do here. Wow, fascinating story. We're going to leave it there. Kaletsa Topejo, thanks very much for joining us from Gaberon in Botswana, talking about the scams that are happening there and also the very, very exciting developments in the crypto market and the fact that you have a license under application and you have, you are regulated. So that that is exciting. We're going to follow the story with some interest. For listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.